Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of the Own the Moment podcast. My name is TJ Lasig, and I'm your host here at OTM. We have a great show for you tonight with another special guest. But first, allow me to introduce my co-host, as always, Mr. Justin Herzig. Justin, how are we doing tonight? Oh, we are doing well. The excitement is hype. I'm sure a lot of people out there on Twitter and stuff have heard that we are having an NBA player joining one of the podcasts around Top Shot tonight. And I'm excited to say that it is us. And we have Alex Caruso with us in the building. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, I didn't wear my, my jersey. I didn't realize uh, that's what was up. But, you know, what's up? <laughs> Oh, what's going on? Yes, yes. As, as Justin alludes to here, we do have a very special guest tonight. This is the, the man that is the number one ranked daily fantasy sports player in the world, according to Roto Grinders. He's out there playing all the sports, playing all the contests, mass multi-entering every tournament that there is. And he has now taken his talents from the DFS streets <laughs> to the Top Shot streets. He's the creator of awesomeo.com and it is of course Mr. Alex Baker aka awesomeo. Alex, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. Uh excited to be able to talk some top shots finally because uh it's been such a wild experience just being on the site and I, I like started probably 3 weeks ago so I got in a little bit late but it feels now like we we're all in early so this has been crazy. I mean when did you guys get started? 4 weeks ago or maybe 5? Bales Day. Crazy. We, we were basically Bales Day. Like when Jonathan Bales made okay. that, I think there was about a 24, 48 hour period where we actually took a bit of a, I'd say, cautiously optimistic, maybe a critical even view and just trying to better understand it. Um, yeah. And then talking to some of those guys, Jeremy and Peter and such, and you know, better understanding where their heads were at. And I'd say halfway through that 24, 48 hour period, TJ and I just, it, it clicked. And uh, that's when we went about it took us a day or two to say, hey, we were building this podcast. We're building a larger company around it and just going head first. That was a smart move. I mean, this is blowing up like crazy. It's exponential growth. And it's like being four or five weeks ago that it's like an early adopter stage at this point. Hey, we're all there. <laughs> if it feels like it's only been like a month, it feels like it's been a year. And uh, <laughs> as we all know, it, there's there's not much sleep when it comes to Top Shot. We, we're 24 seven here. The marketplace has just been absolutely insane the last couple days. Uh, I don't know if if you saw Alex, but we we have we created this. We call it the OTM 50, basically an index for the 50 moments that we feel are most reflective of the overall market, and it's just a, an absolute beyond the hockey stick curve of growth over the last <laughs> four days. So pretty, pretty crazy. So let me, let me set the stage quick and then we will get into things. So I guess for, first and foremost, if you have not yet, oops, I just hit the wrong button. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please go ahead, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button. You can follow us on Twitter at own the moment NFT. If you're not already, we also have linked out to our discord. If you'd like to join our discord, you can find it on our Twitter and yeah, there was the, uh, the OTM 50 there, Alex. So what we'll be doing today, we'll just talk a little bit about your background. We can talk briefly about DFS, but more so how you made that transition from DFS to Top Shot. What, what made you interested in getting involved there? What is your current balance like between all the daily fantasy stuff and the Top Shots? And then definitely want to dive deep into your specific portfolio because I think you have a, a very interesting and unique collection of moments. And we're very curious to hear how you you went about that process. Definitely, I'm excited to, to talk about it all. 
Good deal. All right. So let's just start off if you could for because, you know, some of our followers are definitely from the daily fantasy sports world, but definitely not all of them. So if you could just talk a little bit about your background with DFS, awesome.com, all that stuff, and then how you have come upon this lovely top shot world. Yeah, I mean, I got started into DFS because I heard it was the, the next big thing. That This was like six years ago. So like on the poker forums, I was playing poker a ton. They're like, yo, now that DFS is legal in the US, that's the next big thing. And then like people started retiring from poker to, to play DFS. And I was like, these guys are making more money than me. And they're, they're playing DFS now. So, I mean... I gave it a shot and I started making more money than, than poker as well. So it just kind of took off from there. And it's really funny because I feel like it's come full circle where maybe the next big thing has emerged again. But I, I, I don't know. Like it sounds like this one's a lot trickier because uh, there's so many elements like um, randomness for like who gets the packs. And then like we're all like kind of having equal opportunity, which is great, but it's a little bit harder to gain an edge possibly. So it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. I was going to say, so uh, obviously Alex is upset that this is more uh, an equal playing field. <laughs> and he's not able to just use all those that big brain and smarts and just dust us off the table uh, with DFS. That makes sense. I, I'm okay <laughs> with it. I think uh, most people in the chat are going to be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, this is getting crazy. I, I continue to be the, you know, always the dumbest person on this podcast. And it's, you know, it's, it's really hurting my ego, guys. I, I really need to, we need to get some some lower level guests on here in the future. But also, Alex, I heard that there may be a potentially funny story about you and Justin meeting at one point. I, I do not know the story. Justin just said that I should totally so, ask so if you guys I'll, have met. I'll throw this out there. Um, obviously, Alex had his introduction, blah, blah, blah. But um, we have met and we spent a weekend in Charlotte at the Carolina Millions, which was a fantasy draft finals, 12 people competing for a million dollars. And I'm giving myself full credit. There were the three top ranked DFS people in um, basically in the world in that group of 12. You had Alex is one of them and then two of the Chipotle brothers. And I beat all three of them. And I beat basically no one else. <laughs> well, you got me because I only beat Papa Gates. I was uh, exactly. 11th. So, I mean, that, sometimes like that's a little bit of extra swag, just like <laughs> being right on top of Chipotle, Papa Gates, uh, and me, man. Like that doesn't hurt. And we all got paid out. I think like I even got like 50K or something. So I can imagine you got a nice payday there. Yeah, no, it, it was not that, but it was just funny. The four of us uh, were basically, we all had actually fairly similar lineups. I think it was like an Alex Smith, Travis Kelsey uh, stack with six field goals that day. And I don't want to know, <laughs> but uh, too funny. We were all at the bottom of the leaderboard. Had a great weekend, though. Um, it, it's fun times. And now we're in a much better place at Top Shot. Dude, dude. Uh, there, we went to this Charlotte Hornets game uh, as part of this fantasy draft weekend. And we had this box right next to Michael Jordan's box. And at one point, I'm like standing up, like close to the edge, and they're like, "Excuse me, you're in MJ's way." So you could see, say, I caught Michael Jordan's eye that day. <laughs> and the truth is, it wasn't even Michael Jordan who was asking people to move. He had this lady with yeah. him, and he would just give her a little nod. And then, legitimately, this happened multiple times, and we had to move out of his view because he's got the part owner. I'm like, maybe you have a better box there, MJ. I don't know. Have a little. You know, 
That's Dude, amazing. Whenever he gets moments on uh, Top Shot, they're going to be like a million dollars. It's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be interesting because, A, because uh, he's not a current player. They don't have the rights, so they'd have to actually go oh, okay. through him. Um, and I'm not sure if he'd be willing to give up the rights to it. So the way to get moments with MJ may be you have to get someone else's moment and MJ's in the fight. <laughs> so when they have like the run at backs that go back to the MJ time period, I think there will be a really cool aspect of, hey, if you can just find MJ, maybe he gets a, you know, posterized. Maybe he gets a, you know, it's a steal away from him. But that's going to have, I think, extreme value just from the MJ being in it if MJ's never actually gets to be. Or maybe it's an assist from someone, um, you know, on his team or something as well. But yeah. That's pretty sneaky. I like that. Like, um, I, I was just thinking today. Yeah, it's like you get Kobe in a moment or something like that. Like, even if he's not the guy, like LeBron's Kobe tribute dunk. Like, it's like the hottest top shot right now. It's like that's not Kobe, but everyone's thinking Kobe. So it's like you get that stuff in the moment. It's all part of the value. That's a great point. We're getting a Shaquille O'Neal run it back. And that's going to be one of the most recent ones. And um, I haven't looked into what year that Kobe, that Shaq's going to be or if they've announced it. I know it's going to be a wide range for the running back series coming up. But could you see Kobe with a Shaq as a one-two there? Because that would be a fantastic moment to have. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I think it would break the site, honestly, if, if they announced that moment. So I'm glad they haven't yet. Come on, Alex. The site never breaks. We all know that. <laughs> it's actually oh, been pretty stable recently. It has. We, we were just talking about how quickly these 5,000 packs we – we weren't fortunate enough to get any packs, but they got dist- distributed very quickly relative to other times. So we're wondering if maybe they've they've reached another level of speed in which they're able to distribute because then when we have another pack like the Cool Cats where there were 45,000 distributed, people don't have to sit around for three hours <laughs> – waiting to see whether or not they're going to get a pack <laughs> and uh, maybe everyone's wives will be a little bit appreciative of that <laughs> yeah i remember they did like a valentine's day drop or something i was like hold on we gotta stop what we're doing here <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's, it's crazy because three weeks ago when i started you could just buy a pack whenever you wanted like so like they no one was buying them and now it's changed so much it's been so wild yeah. And I mean, to your Valentine's Day, like the joke running around was like they were still running stress tests, but were they still testing the system for stress or testing us and like how much stress <laughs> we would actually have trying to get the, through these while trying to hide from the wife during Valentine's Day. But yeah, <laughs> I think uh, t- putting people through emotional uh, tests like this is forbidden by the Geneva Conventions. So <laughs> hopefully, you know, everything was above board. <laughs> Uh, all righty. So let's, uh, we definitely want to talk about your specific approach to Top Shop because I was checking out your, your collection, checking out your portfolio, and it's one of the more unique ones that I've seen. So let's see, I, I've got this here. You have 213 total moments, and of those 213, 197 of them are cool cats. <laughs> Obviously, everyone knows that the cool cats challenge is going on right now, there's a week left. In the challenge, I should have looked this up, but I didn't. I don't know if you own more cool cats than anyone on the site. You have to be up there with one of the the top folks. You have twelve of the Luca cool cats. You also, I noticed, targeted some of the low serial numbers. You have the number one Luca, the number four Randall, the number five Washington, and the number six hero of the cool cats. So, can you talk a little bit about 
your thoughts on the cool cat strategy and why you decided to, to take this approach. I made this observation that the prices were lowest right after the packs were released. And with this set, they released the whole supply at one time. So I was like, it's only going to go up as people like sell off the supply. So I like I tried to spend all night getting these packs, but or like the the uh, the ones in the marketplace from the Cool Cats too, but like it wasn't working very well. So I woke up like really early the next day, and I, I had to start working at like nine. So I spent two hours before that just hammering by. Uh, I was always going for like the second or third lowest price, and they're all like one hundred twenty dollars um, at that time. So I bought like a hundred of them at that time. And I didn't, I was expecting maybe they'd double in value over the two weeks. And the man, like, it's been a while. They've gone up to like seven to $900. I didn't expect that. It's crazy. I mean, there really is a larger game. And obviously, we know like Top Shot's having another game with the hardcore, which is an actual like video style game. But this, from a strategic aspect, feels like the game in the game. And uh, it has surprised me for these core challenges, even including the gift and the action we've seen there, how much the prices just go against the norm of what the market dictates. And if we expect that, hey, this Lamello is going to be worth 15, 20,000 each, like there's no way that aligns to anything else that's on the marketplace right now. But that may be okay because all of these values of the moments are just what we accept them as being valued. And so maybe there's this hidden factor of, hey, if it's a reward from a challenge and people worked hard to get that, people actually had to you know, make purchases, yearn for it, like maybe there's an additional value that people are putting on this that it's not going to align with the other Lamello rookie out of 4,000. It's going to have some other kind of unique holding value. And that's something that I'm personally trying to wrap my head around because um, it just goes against market dynamics, but you've got to accept maybe there's this other like invisible factor. Yeah, definitely. I think people, they want to, they don't know, first of all, how much the reward's going to be. I think this one is Anthony Davis, who's one of the more valuable players in the league. I think he's probably top 10, top 20 or something. So there's some intrigue for how, how much this prize is going to be worth, which has kept people gunning for it. The main thing I was looking at is only 10,000 people can possibly like complete this challenge. So I just look at the numbers like I was 51,000th in line for this pack. So it's like there's a lot more than 10,000 people that want to do the challenge. So I'm thinking, well, if there's more people that want to do it than there are possible people who can do it, then there's going to be a lot of demand. Yeah. And, and what about the, um, the Luca one? Because obviously that doesn't play into this current challenge, but it seems like that's definitely been a part of your strategy is to acquire a bunch of these Lucas, um, I expect that you're planning to sell them at some point um, during the master challenge. Do you have a plan for that? Do you have kind of a strategy? When do you think you might start trying to put them on the market? Yeah, so the reason initially I bought the number one Luca, it wasn't like all that complicated. I, I saw that the price of Luca was like $5,000. And I was like, you got it for 5x. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, I'm definitely going to keep one Luca at least so I can get the reward. And I was like, well, then the premium's only 20,000 at that point, which is why I bought a lot of the other low serial numbers 
because they were like kind of a little multiplier on top of the base value. So I'm like, I might as well like keep the one that has a nice like serial number. And I feel like I really lucked out on that 25k Luca because right now it seems like that was priced way too low. No, oh yeah, and and so for the others though, when do you think you might consider selling him? Because obviously he's at a great price now. What's he up to right now? Someone can check and tell us. Um, for Luka. Holy crap! There you go. Right. Yeah. Um, are you tempted now? Do you think it continues going up? Are you scared that near the end the price will go down as others with multiple like release them? Or what do you think happens? You can actually see how many people have multiple in some of the tools. So not that many people have been like stashing like certain moments. I feel like most people have just been collecting one of each uh, for the most part. So uh, what I'm expecting is people just don't want to hold on to this really expensive moment for the next month to get this reward. They're trying to liquid liquidate their assets to buy stuff they can flip a little bit faster probably. So I went ahead and snagged a bunch of Lucas because I'm like, this one has a 3,400 count. That's probably the lowest of any of the moments for that challenge. And then I noticed like the Cool Cats 1 started dropping in value. So I was like, these are going to be key parts of the challenge too. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to accumulate as many of these as I can. TJ, does that does that sound familiar? Someone liquidating their Cool Cat who uh, buys some <laughs> other stuff yeah, and maybe so I... get back in later? Yeah, so I, I did a little thing last night, and I, I don't know if I regret it yet or not. I honestly can't tell. But I, so I have 11, I had 11 of 11 cool cats, and I was up last night, and I saw that Luca was up to, to 7,500, which was the, the highest I had seen. I thought it was ridiculous when he was getting to 5,000, and I was like, man, I think this is a good time to sell this Luca and reinvest it elsewhere. So I sold. Him for seventy four hundred, I think, and then basically instantly went and bought up ten or twelve of the series two Lucas because mm -hmm. I thought that thought that that was a decent play because right now there's the fifteen thousand le of Luca and there's no seventy five hundred, so basically unless you want to pay for the the cool cat or the series one Luca, which I think probably has a floor of I don't know five thousand dollars by now, this is the only Luca you could buy. I thought that maybe I could could get a better return on that in the short term, and then have the option to buy a Luca later. I'm gonna I'm gonna write about this at some point just to see how it works out because I think that's it's really the question right now, right? It's hard to tell if what you're doing is correct or not because it's almost impossible to not be to not have your account be going up in value, right? So it's everyone's going to feel like whatever they're doing is the right thing, but. I keep trying to bring up this opportunity cost thing of any time that you're spending money on one moment, then that's money that you could be spending elsewhere. So I think there's elements to, to having a balance between some of the, the cheaper volume stuff and some of the higher end stuff and yeah, figuring out how to approach these challenges. So I, I'm experimenting with this myself and TBD on, on what's going to work out. It looks like it's about neutral as of now. I think that's a smart move because I think you hit on something that's a key factor, which is the cheapest moment of a certain player that's popular because it's like the entry point, uh, the first thing people are going to buy. So that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like although the Lucas have gone up, the rate they've increased in value uh, for the Cool Cats hasn't been the same as the rest of the market. So it hasn't been like the best buy uh, overall, but... To your point, it's like you can't really complain when something is doubled in value.
<laughs> yeah, and I hear you know you hear a lot of people of like, oh my goodness, I sold you know I sold Lamelo at twenty five hundred, and now he's at three thousand. Like, gosh, what a bad sell. But then it's like, well, the only bad thing you could do is if you sold that and then kept it in your Dow Dapper balance, <laughs> right? If you take that twenty five hundred and buy five different five hundred dollar moments, then those like to me, the five hundred dollar moment has a better chance of getting to fifteen hundred dollars to three xing than maybe the the three k Lamelo did of getting to. 9k although i think he is at 9k now so again who the heck knows but i think it's something to be considering and to be you know don't have that fomo of yeah when if, when you sell a moment that moment's still going to go up and you can't look back at it and be like oh my goodness i should have held just make sure that you have a plan whenever you're selling something and reinvesting it immediately in something else i want to talk about this lamello because this is one of the most like puzzling aspects of the site which like the moment itself is kind of lackluster so it's like, are people who are Lamella fans really going to go back and want that that moment as opposed to others? I, I'm I'm kind of skeptical. It's crazy. I mean, we so one of the things we've been talking about is on S for Series One, the rookies. There's only one that it's during the NBA debut game. That's the RJ Barrett, and uh, so most of those moments they have a bit more time. You have more games to pick one. It seems like. In the series two, they really wanted to prioritize getting the rookies in their NBA debut in their first game. And I think the thing is with this Lamelo is he just didn't play that much. He didn't do much in that game, <laughs> and so they only had a couple things to look for. And who knows? Maybe there wasn't a good camera angle on something else. Like maybe because you do need like three different camera angles to make the moment, and that may have just been the only thing they could put together. But we have said without a doubt, a not a good basketball player. I could have made that play. It's literally just a handoff and then the other person made the play. And like the second is, I hope that, you know what? They do something like that for a LeBron. Find, give me like the run it, I mean, I'm sorry, not LeBron, Michael Jordan. Use that for your run it back. Give someone the assist, but really it's just MJ making a <laughs> stick ass play. <laughs> That's pretty sneaky. I like that. It is wild with that moment. Actually, so correct me if I'm wrong, but, but LaMelo went up briefly to like, seven or eight K earlier. Now he's back down to, I don't know. The Lamello has been one of the most interesting, like he put out a tweet I heard earlier and that's what skyrocketed the price it. immediately. Man, we need, we need like a live thing that's scraping. If an NBA player tweets about top shot instantly by their moment, because it's like, it's just so funny how as soon as an NBA player mentions it, like boom, their price will go up right away. And then we always see it pretty much immediately trickle back down. It's a wild phenomenon. And to me shows that, it's far from an efficient market, right? <laughs> if people think that somebody tweeting about it once instantly increases their value, I don't know that that is necessarily a part of the the underlying value of the moment itself. At this point, we need a list of NBA players that haven't tweeted about it. There you go. That's true. Start to predict the future. You got any models for that, Alex? Any predictive models on uh, which NBA player is going to tweet next? If you did, oh, oh. hit up the. I was eyeing this uh, this taco fall, but then he just tweeted about it, so now I'm out of luck. <laughs> yeah, um, that's actually a good question. You mentioned spreadsheet, and I, I mean, Alex, I know that you know DFS. You build spreadsheets. I'm sure you've done it on your own, and then you probably took your kind of methodology, built a site out of that. Most of your strategy, from what I'm hearing with Top Shot, though, is I don't want to say gut, but it's a little more just kind of simple economic supply demand and where you see things going um beyond that have you been you know kind of building spreadsheets trying to build anything out for this like how do you feel that your dfs skills have helped you 
in your top shot kind of thought process. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I've, I've been pretty much trying to bank on common sense up to this point um, because as you guys are saying, the market is kind of wild. Uh, and I, I wasn't initially gunning to like make some huge profit. It was just kind of like a combination of casual and professional interest. But then like I've started to like try to be a little bit more analytical. Like I snagged, um, I, I, one of the key moments is the LeBron Kobe tribute dunk. And there are three versions of it. So I was trying to figure out which one to buy. I mean, the cosmic one, I think, is like pretty much unobtainable. So it's between the rare and the common one. And like I was trying to like compare the market caps. I saw the rare was way lower. So I went with that one. But I wasn't feeling like super confident about it. But like trying to do stuff like that and, and look at comparable moments. It almost feels like real estate investing a little bit where I was like, what are the comparables here? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I like that way of thinking about it. Sorry, you have something, Justin? No, no, I, I like the real estate idea. Um, we've often, you, I mean, you even use market cap, which is obviously more of a kind of stock term. And we kind of think of it as different forms of like equities markets where investing in this industry is like investing in the rookies or the series or so. And as you're saying, like, you know, as maybe the tech industry increases or healthcare industry increases, we've also seen rookies all increase together. And there's that correlation. Um, and then trying to find like where there might be a value among an industry or a set where everyone else, but why is one person lagged? Has it lagged because he's injured because he hasn't played well? Or is it lagged just because it's an outlier and like it's going to catch up? And so that's an interesting way that I'd say I think about in you know, real estate. I like it as well. You think of a neighborhood, you buy in that neighborhood, everything else kind of rises together. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can find the comparable moments and like part of the two is like how sick is the moment? Like, I feel like that's a key element and people don't seem to be reacting that, to that very much, but I feel like that's going to be hu huge once there's thousands of moments instead of just hundreds. <clears throat> and, I, and I have wondered if this turns into people working more off spreadsheets than the site, will the physical, will the visual moment decrease in value? Um, because right now for you to make a purchase and for you to shop the marketplace, you pretty much have to go to the site. You got to click on it. You see the moment actual play. I think as tools develop far more, of the analysis is going to be done on spreadsheets. And so similar to for a DFS, 99% of my process is done on one of the tools. And then when I'm finally on the website, all I'm doing is inputting, uploading. I already know what I'm doing. And so I do wonder, yes, you're always going to have your outliers, the Vince Carter, the um, maybe you have some really cool dunks and like obviously the Kobe one, but like for the most part, are we still going to be seeing the moments if all of our prep and all of our analysis is going to be more numbers based on spreadsheets? Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be interesting. <clears throat> I think um, the spreadsheets do help a lot and having some sort of model makes a lot of sense. Uh, and the data is so available that you just hit export pretty much on a lot of different sites. That makes it really easy to, to just take an analytical approach. So I think that that will definitely win out. Yeah, I, I like that. I always like to think about it. I've said this before to Justin off stream, but I feel like there's there's three ways that or at least that that people could approach the buying a moment. One could be like, hey, I just I want a specific player, right? I, I want a Chris Paul moment. And then how can I most easily tell if I know I want a Chris Paul, what's the best Chris Paul moment for me to buy? 
That's one. Another could be like, I really want a moment from a certain set. Like I want a metallic gold series one. How do I now evaluate what the best value within that series or set is? And then the final one would be like, Hey, I want to buy a, a $550 moment. I don't care who it is or what it is. What's the best $550 moment that I could buy. So I think that, you know, some of the things that we're trying to think about is how can we help pr provide people answer those questions for themselves so that as they have that thought, they can be able to quickly see like, okay, how do, how does Chris Paul compare to other Chris Pauls and how do different moments within a certain set compare to one another? So I think there's a lot of evolution to happen for those of us that want to be super analytical about this. But I also think there's going to be a whole population of people that are just watching the, <laughs> watching the tape for lack of a better phrase. And you know, that we, we saw it yesterday where that the 15,000 LeBron, the, the three pointer, which to me is a cool, it's a cool moment. Like the video of that is cool. And it was catching up to the LeBron 7,500 dunk, which is, is fine, but not as cool. But then we saw that begin to normalize a bit more today. So I, I think, I think that's, what's cool is that you cannot quantify what matters because different things about the moment can matter to different people. And I think that's what, one of the things that makes this unique. Yeah, definitely. There was this one moment uh, when I first started, it's like a Zion Williamson layup where they just chuck the ball to him and he's like not guarded at all. And he's like throwing this up. I'm like, this moment's whack as hell, but like it's the cheapest Zion. So I was about to buy them all up, but then I got the like identity check thing <laughs> and it went from $2 to $200 before I got back on. So <laughs> like, there's like so many different like ways you can find that, that perfect moment to, to buy, invest in. I think like one that you mentioned that was really interesting that I hadn't thought of is just like price point. Like what is the best moment at sub 500 or sub 100? I think that's especially important now because there's nothing to do but buy stuff on the site. You can't buy packs. So like most people are probably going to only deposit like 50 bucks, 100 bucks. The price of some of these moments is like completely absurd. So like what are these people going to do? Like um, they're probably going to just find the best moment they can or the player they like. Yeah, and if you can figure out who that is, you're going you're gonna to win out. And I've gotten you know texts from friends that start and they're like, Hey, I've got 500 bucks. What should I do with it? Where do I spend this 500 bucks or who do I spend it on? And yeah, I think helping break down those things of, okay, yeah, you could buy one $500 moment or you could buy 10 $50 moments and evaluating those different things is all, all part of, of the process here. But yeah, like we said, I, I really haven't been terribly, terribly analytical with my decisions right now, because I think the speed is more important than anything. Because like you said, like, Literally, if you if you see something you like and you think for 30 minutes, chances are that the price has already moved and you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, I just missed that opportunity. <laughs> and then you could just get caught up in the cycle. And then all of a sudden you've been staring at your computer for two hours and you haven't purchased anything because everything's moving right in front of your eyes. It's pretty, pretty interesting how fast things are are rising yeah. and falling. Yeah. And I mean, to that money conversation we talked about, I mean, one of the number one questions we always get as you know, DFS content providers is, what do I do if I'm going to be spending $100 or $500 on a DFS Sunday? Like, where would you recommend I put it? And it's just that same question that's evolved now to the top shot is, hey, I have this budget. Where do I put it? And uh, yeah, I think that's the, and, you know, at OTM, our goal is not to kind of give you the plays or tell you the plays, but to teach you how to play. And it's the same idea. Like, we're trying to actually help you think through because the truth is, if we're giving you one individual player, either A, it may be too late by the time you actually get there. 
or B, that's still not going to help you in the future if you don't understand why we're recommending that player. And that's where, similar to how you know we're doing in DFS side, we're trying to teach you, we're trying to help you so that next time you can identify who that player is. That makes sense. Yeah. So, like, to your point, I saw like one of the big uh, top shot guys was like, Killian Hayes is undervalued right now. And then the price doubled in 30 minutes. So, like, it, it really, you can't help that many people with that approach. And if you put that out there, you're probably only really helping yourself, to be honest. <laughs> well, I, I had like 60 of them. And I started, I was like, why are these all selling? And then by the time <laughs> I looked, like, I had no Killian Hayes. I really messed that one up. <laughs> I know. That is funny. It's like, I, f I feel like sometimes I, I put moments for sale. I, like this happened in the last three days. I had moments that I had probably put for sale a week or a week and a half ago at what I thought were like high prices. And then in one night they all just sold instantly. And I was like, oh, maybe I didn't actually want them to sell anymore. But yeah, it's, it's hard to manage everything, especially if you have a ton of moments in your collection. It's like, I, I don't even really know at any given moment, what do, what do I have for sale or what do I not? I'm just just living second by second and trying to to make sure that the, the only thing I make sure is that I if I have a if I have sold something that I get that out of my dapper immediately and, and purchase something else because I feel like any second wasted is is not good right now. Definitely. That's why I kind of like the challenge moments because they have like a clear defined end date where like at a certain point they're gonna drop off in value. So that really helps you understand the investment time frame. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, that's a, a decent segue into to my next thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is about the serial numbers, because we have noticed that you spent spent some extra capital on some really low serials. I want to get your perspective on that. One of the questions that we get a lot is, right, how do I how do I think about the serial number? How do I value one serial number versus another? Do I just go with the lowest ask? One of the things that, that I've said that I think is, is a little different th than what you've done but one, I think that for someone that's just starting, that just playing the lowest ask is a pretty simplistic way to go about it because then there's only one variable, right? It's either you're either buying or you're selling because there's only one price. It's not like, okay, yeah, I'm buying this serial number. If it's within this range and I'm going to sell it, it, then you don't have to decide, oh, I want to sell it for you know 1.5x the low ask. You're just like, oh, when I sell this, I can just put it at lowest ask and sell it. So I'm curious with with your portfolio and let me, I can go ahead and share my screen here for, for a little bit of a flex for the fans because our friend Osimo has purchased the number one Manu Ginobili, as we already talked about, the number one Luka Doncic. He's got the Julius Randle, number four, Jay Washington, number five, Tyler Hero, number six, TJ McConnell, number nine. So that's what, six moments that you bought that are top 10 serial numbers. So can you talk a little bit about these specific purchases, but then also how you approach the serial number aspect of this in general and how you value that? Yeah, definitely. So um, the Ginobili, like my friends actually were like messaging my friends, Sean Zahn and Steve Buzzard, who, who I work with. And they're like, this moment is super undervalued. And I happen to have the 16K in my account and they didn't. So I was just like, you guys want to like split it three ways. And I got lucky that my friends didn't have the money in their accounts because I'm sure they would have just snapped it up without including me at all. So I own one third of that. I feel like it, it's a year the Spurs won the championship. So I think that it has extra value compared. Like 
I'm a little bit worried about the running back series because they're releasing a new one in a couple of weeks. So I'm like, unless the moments are really, really noteworthy, they might not hold up in the long-term market. <clears throat> but um, the thing with the high serial numbers, is just another way of like creating scarcity. So like you could have a common with a well, serial number and maybe like that's like more rare than a rare because of the serial number. So um i don't have like any formula to determine it and the, and the jersey match also i got the mcconnell and isaiah roby matches and like no one's buying them but like i think it's kind of cool and i don't i think uh particularly isaiah roby like i think he's a, a nice up-and-coming prospect so i'm like maybe this will this will turn into something if it doesn't sell you know, I, lo- I love that. The only thing I love more than getting a jersey is if you can get a player who had two jerseys, like a LeBron six twenty three. But nice. I mean, that's uh, that's just a whole other world on its own. Definitely, yeah. So on the other ones, I just bought today because, uh, like I saw with the Cool Cats, like the the difference in price between like the seven and I think the Tyler Hero I bought for like three K maybe. And the minimum price at the time was like 1100 So I'm like, this is just way underpriced. And yeah. that was just the whole process, the whole thought process. And I mean, so we were doing some kind of, uh, we have plans to do a far more complex system to evaluate the prices of cereal compared to like the rest in that um, same moment group. Um, but at a high level, tried to do like an 80-20. And what we were seeing is that for... Um, for some of these that you're in like those kind of double digit numbers, you were seeing prices going for around an 8x in sales. And so when you get into top 10, it's a lot fewer sales, but you're looking at somewhere between like 15 and 20x. Number one, there's just not nearly enough sales there. But even if you just use those as a basis, when we saw that you got the Luca for 5x to going right, well, to be fair, it's a little biased because utility value for the challenge, maybe after the challenge that drops, 50% 50% and it drops down to like, let's say, you know, um, whatever the price is, but let's say it drops 50%, maybe it drops 75%. You're still getting yours for around 10X, worst case 20X for the number one. Uh, so by all accounts, I think that was, you know, we, we were talking about behind the scenes, just a fantastic purchase from a long-term play. And I guess most people just kind of had a blind spot of, oh, well, I mean, I don't really care about the number because it's, you know, part of the challenge. I just want to get it for the challenge. Um, and I think, yeah, that's probably true for the most part, but when you have an outlier where you're only paying five X for a number one, I think, fantastic. Thanks, man. Yeah. I was just lucky because I mean, liquidity is a huge issue for people right now. It's kind of hard to get 25 K into a purchase. So I just had the money in my account. Like it's part of that early movers advantage where you kind of like accumulate more and more, more and more money in your account. So you're able to make these moves. So I'm sure other people saw it and they just like weren't able to pull the trigger because I don't think you can get 25k on the site, like unless you unless you spend a few days like trying to get it on there. Yeah, I was about to ask. Are you were you a are you a big crypto guy at all? Like, did you have a bunch of crypto prior to this? Because that, that's really the only way to quickly get large sums of money on the account is if you have crypto, right? I had a Coinbase account, like I used for online poker a little bit, but I never like bought crypto to like invest in it. So it's just like waiting four days from the bank transfer to just be able to deposit. Like the fees are a lot lower. So that was my main motivation with it, where you're paying like a, a few hundred bucks as opposed to like 
10% or, or 5% of your whole purchase in the credit card, which is just pretty high. Yeah. And with the credit card, your max is about 5k a day. Yeah. So there are people, it's a little interesting where, you know, if you are thinking about selling a moment and uh, the price and you really want to get rid of it, if you put it at something like 4,700, you are significantly less likely to get it sold than if you put it at around 4,500 oh. uh, or like just below, because PPA, they have to pay with the credit card. And if that credit card fee takes it over 5K, you're taking a lot of people out of the market who may want to buy it. So if you are in that range, it's not a normal, you know, there's not many situations, but worth considering, hey, if you're trying to get rid of this, price it at that 4,500. Because what, 4,500, 5% of that is 450. Now you're at 4,950. Or no, that's 10%. Um, so maybe you can even get up to like, what, 4,700, get close. But make sure you consider that because it's challenging when you get over 5k to make sure you have that much in crypto dap or whatever it is. That's, that's really smart. I never realized there was that barrier at 4,700, but I've seen that on the pricing. So that makes a lot of sense. And there's one slight workaround, which I used yesterday because I bought two different LeBron's with credit card um, that were about 2,700 and 3,000 knowing that if I did them sequentially, I'd go over. So I oh. bought the second one while the first was still processing <laughs> and it allowed me to get them both at the same time. And uh, I was pretty happy about that because yeah. those were- Captain Loophole. Captain those Loophole. Loophole. Hey, Justin finds a way. You just, I mean, yeah, those things that you just mentioned, I had never thought about either of them. That's for sure. That's those, were, those were LeBron 623 and 236. So I, uh, I, just went stronger with the strategy of the double jersey and just looked for it. Yeah, that's that's Justin's new thing, Alex, is that he bought three different now. What what do you have? You have two six twenty-threes and two and one two, and two thirty-six. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. LeBron's, LeBron's number six and twenty-three. So Justin is 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 now on a mission to sell to the people how valuable that moment is. So good yeah. job. you're doing a good job of it. I think uh you can talk people into stuff. Like that's part of the fun where like a lot of it like i bought this vince carter moment because i mean like this is a really <clears throat> trendy moment on top shot but i i only was aware of it because of watching these streams where they're like oh this is last shot it's like a really cool moment so i like that hype just worked on me and i got it so like it's all about kind of creating like the value like kind of pitching people on it because like the lebron kobe dunk too it doesn't mention Kobe at all. Like you have to know that. So it's all kind of like part of the marketing. Yep. I'm going to give a shout out to producer Coop. Um, we had a show the other week where we all kind of did a pitch of a moment that our, we asked all the um, followers to, Hey, send your greatest pitch. And producer Coop pitched one on Reggie Bullock, which was a series one, $21, $18, something Reggie Bullock. Um, but it was a steal of LeBron. And so oh, he got the steal, got the bucket, and that becomes like a, you don't know that unless you actually watch it. And I haven't gone through every one and seen, so I think one's kind of a producer coop shine a light on that. that you know, that Do you know what Reggie Bullock's price is now? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is now. 210. 10X. There you go. Hashtag die with Reggie. That's, that's the theme in our Discord now. No one sells Reggie. We, we all die with Reggie in our, in our digital moments <laughs> collections at this point now. Because one of the big things is, is and I'm sure you have uh, I don't know, uh, similar experience with your world, is it is a tricky situation in how we kind of talk about moments that we are in favor of. Um, because without a doubt, I, I manage my portfolio in a way that I think is for the best growth. Um, 
But then we also, you know, are giving content and giving advice. And so it's obviously a slippery slope to kind of, you know, I don't want to pump this moment as a pump, but I truly do. I'm an advocate. I believe this moment is great. And uh, so I'm maybe not going to talk about like, oh, I believe it's a value at this point or something because that just disappears uh, and work it more into a strategy. Um, and then what ends up happening is I feel a little better about it because I just, we basically don't sell anything. So if I am pumping something or really it's, I'm a fan of this, I'm a believer of it. Um, I'm holding it long term, and I think that's where hey, die with Reggie for producer Coop is. <laughs> he knows that like he didn't have much of a plan to like pump this, but it inadvertently happened, and now he's just got to die with it. <laughs> that's true. I mean, like the ethics of it are still yet to really be explored, I guess. But I mean, as long as it's like DFS, you give your takes; they're not always right, but people appreciate that you're giving it your all. So that's how <clears throat> how I'm approaching it. Yeah, and everything's exactly. out in the open. Everything's out in the yeah. open, right? So everyone can see, you know, if pe if people's portfolios match up with what they're saying, or if somebody hypes someone up, and then you look and you're like, wait, a day after hyping it up, they just sold all of that moment. Like that, that'd be a pretty bad look. So I think that anyone that gets themselves into the public eye is going to, it's not going to be worth it for them to do that because somebody's going to notice it, and then it's going to blow up their spot, and it's just going to look horrible. So. That's that's also true there. One more thing that, that I did want to close the loop on on this topic that I meant to say a little bit ago, but the, with, with regards to the low serial numbers, one thing that we noticed recently was that due to the crazy increase in prices across the board over the last couple of days is that some of the, not, not like the jersey number and the number one serial numbers, but some of the lower ones were listed at lower values, likely from people that you know, a week ago, listed it at a value that seemed way above market, never changed it. So for example, we got a, a Zach Levine serial number 100 for I think $1,000 when the floor price was 888. So there, there's there's some opportunities like that out there for people that are, are willing to to grind the listing prices and, and see that. So that, that's just one, one thing I wanted to notice out there because I think that will probably continue to be the case anytime we see a massive run like we talked about, it's hard to know what moments you have for sale. People just forget. And then all of a sudden you could sell it for, for way less than you actually, the, the value would have been at the time. Definitely. And, uh, yeah. If you keep stuff listed, like I, I have always priced everything to just sell really quick so that like you don't have to maintain all the pricing on all your stuff because the pricing doesn't increase linearly it like jumps up crazy and then like slows down like my killian hayes like i had it was at like 200 for a week and then there's a tweet and it goes to 400 so like you gotta lay low kind of see the market move and then then put it on the market i think and it's a 24-hour market so it's not like your stock market you go to bed and you couldn't really do anything about it like there's a whole nother i don't know part of the world that is grinding this at nighttime. And so if they start a trend, if movement happens, it's at risk. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to Anthony Amico was the one who uh, actually initially started kind of discussing that theme of, hey, maybe there is value in these lower mints because people put them up and just didn't change it. And uh, that kind of uh, inspired us to really dive deeper into it and make a couple purchases yesterday that we felt pretty bullish on when coming from people who, as TJ said, Usually we're going the give me the lowest in so I can get lowest out. But if I'm getting a place that, hey, I see that it's only one and a half to two X more than the min price, 
in a spot that normally these are selling for. As I said, we've seen up to 8x for those double digits. That's just a value that's too good to pass up. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's been uh, interesting to see these moments. Like the, the, the prices stay the same, like on the listing, but then the, the perception of it is all different. So like uh, it's been, it, it's hard to like fire on because there's like so many different stuff like you want to buy. Uh, you got to pick just a few things, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Bachman from uh, from the team, one of our data analysts, who came like $200 short of acquiring a whole bunch, trying to put all of his Dapper funds together to make a purchase yesterday. It was already over the credit card, couldn't get it done, and then just kind of gave up. Like, it's hard to, you know, in a bull market uh, where you're not trying to liquidate and stuff and like trying to get funds to continue to make purchases, you're already maxed out at whatever. Like, it's... <laughs> His challenges. Yeah. I like what you said about the, the group buy too. It's something that, that Justin and I and a couple others have done. It's something that we encourage. I, I think that's a great way to get involved with other people, right? Go in with your friends and buy a more expensive moment. And it's just like fun. You know, you get in a group text with your friends and you're texting them like, oh my goodness, LeBron's up $400. Like, I think that that's one of the cool aspects of this community is unlike DFN, like daily fantasy sports, right? We're all competing against each other. Only one person can win the GPP. Whereas, this is kind of more of a more of a team game, more of a community game, and there aren't those collusion kind of you know <laughs> ethic lines like there are in daily fantasy. So I really like the idea of people being able to to pool together some scratch if because it's expensive to enter the market right now. So if you don't have, I mean, really, if you don't have at least a thousand bucks, it's it's really hard to get anything going. So one way to do that is is by getting getting a group of people together until you all get comfortable. And then usually once people are on for like two hours, they're like, oh, wait, I just want to deposit more money. This is amazing. That's Dude, what I've seen at least. I don't get who these people like who are dropping like 10 Gs uh, on cards are because like you're saying, it's like that's not a normal thing to do. Like how are there this many people that are willing to spend like $9,500 on Luka Doncic? This is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. The LeBron Kobe dunk common is like super liquid right now at the high 20Ks. Yeah, it's like several people that are just by the hour spent. It's crazy. I agree. Like, who, where are these people? But there's a lot of them, and I also think it's something Justin and I have talked about is that there's, <laughs> I think there's still some big money that has yet to enter this ecosystem. Whether it's people from the poker world or sports betting world, other DFS folks, like there's definitely some some big time players that have probably heard about Top Shop and maybe haven't gotten involved yet. And when those types of people do, they're going to come in in a big way. And all it takes is all it takes is a group of five or six whales to really, really do <laughs> things. And we saw the last couple of days, a lot of the, the big higher stakes movement. Well, look what happened with CryptoPunks yesterday. You had whether, you know, you had one person come on in and just started out buying the entire floor, bought 20 CryptoPunks, in 20 minutes and raise that floor, I think like around 5,000 and then didn't stop. Didn't say, hey, I'm stopping at the floor. I'm just going to keep going. And uh, we just saw insane, insanely high just continued purchases. And what happens to those? I don't know. But uh, could very, you know, I think it's very much in the world of you see a big time investor comes in and says, hey, I am going to just buy out this player, buy out this set. I want to get an entire cosmic series an entire hollow series and that will have major moves because 
not only are you decreasing the supply by that increase in demand, but now everyone else starts reacting and says, oh, who's this sharp money or whale coming in? And how do I kind of get ahead of this game or start, you know, maybe fast following? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the crazy elements is you can see exactly what everyone's doing. So if you you don't have to be the smartest person. You just have to like know who that is and tail them, basically. Wait, we have an update from producer Coop. The LeBron is at 40K now. It's not even at 38.8, Coop. I was <laughs> at 40. So this is the common Kobe. This, this is, is the common Kobe. Yes, this is the common Kobe wow. out of 1,000. So producer Coop oh did, did an episode. His episode one, he was debating whether or not to buy this LeBron Kobe dunk. I, went, I think it was around like 7,500. And he, he was torn on it. Eventually, him and I got together and went in on one together. At We bought it at 5,700. And now it's at 40. Oh, boy. That's awesome, man. Oh, that's well, insane. Here's, a, here's crazy because oh, it is the same price as the throwdown, <laughs> which is the same dunk, right? I'm trying to quickly go through this. Now, so, it hasn't sold at 40 yet, right? So it's uh, completely illiquid at this price now. But still, one sold for, for 30. Someone just messed up and listed this comment at 34.9k. In case anyone has that much in their account, like go and buy that because like people are buying it for 40 apparently. This guy, FZK, just bought five of the LeBrons. Um, yeah, so I guess that was a while ago. I'm not, I'm not seeing any recent transactions that raised it. So, I'm. The, so is it well, actually most, selling, or what's the most recent sale? So most the most recent, recent sale, sale is twenty nine nine ninety nine. Okay. And so then that forty was the lowest ask person increased their lowest ask from thirty something to forty. Okay. Basically, people are like, "I don't want to sell this unless someone's <laughs> going to really, really pay me." I'm curious to see when the pendulum swings back the other way. This is also by far the least for sale of this moment. Mm-hmm. I've been tracking this one closely. I've never seen this few for sale. There's there only 19. several for sale for 7,500 now. There's just so if you go to the rare throwdown, same dunk, but it's at a 275 instead of a thousand. Mm-hmm. The most recent sale was a 40k one, but a decent. Eh, I guess they're all decent cereals at that price. You've got a 33k and a 40k today, and that's what it's going for. So you're still seeing about a 33% premium in sales of the throwdown versus the common. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, like they have to either raise together or one has to always kind of lead because there's just no logical reason the common would be more than throwdown. But so it makes sense if you got it earlier. So throw it down earlier today. Yeah, I bought this one because um, I, I had the same thing. I was looking at these listings and I'm like, I, I was kind of confused because they were like around the same price. So then I started looking, this is where the real estate thing came in. And I was looking at all the sales over the last two weeks. I found that the throwdown went for about 1.5 X the common and the ratio was less than that. So I was like, I need to deposit all the money and get this. So hopefully it pays off. But uh, I feel like this particular one has three. There's this legendary one too. And like, I have no idea how those all like compare as far as how, how are people interested? Maybe people would want the original common one. I don't even know. I think the cosmic of that, none are on sale, right, Justin? Is that correct still? Or did they are they on sale now that the cap is raised at 250? There so was a point none, where nobody was not, willing to sell that one. Correct. So there are two LeBron moments that are not on sale. It is the cosmic out of 49, and it is the hollow out of, I believe, 32, because that was a challenge reward. Um, 
I do think so. Peter Jennings and that larger group made a purchase today of 208,000 for, I believe that was the cosmic. Um, I hadn't seen that on the marketplace. So I'm assuming it was either off market or they put it on and they made the purchase. I'm not quite sure. Um, but that shows that the base now for a cosmic and we were expecting that the base was actually above 250 or 250 because otherwise people would be selling it but because no one's willing to get rid of it for 250 you got to expect so obviously this group feels that 208,000 is a value for that um it's just interesting because that's kind of dictating what this what this top is and the top kind of says hey there are these moments that the cheapest one of any of the entire set is right now two hundred and eight thousand, and they will it. They wouldn't sell that for two fifty. I think that's crazy. No, I mean, you see cards selling for a million bucks plus, so it's not like unheard of. I, I saw Vegas Dave buy like a trout for, or I think he sold a trout for five million. I can't remember if he bought yeah. or sold it, but he sold it. Yeah. Um. So it's not crazy to believe that, like this LeBron Kobe tribute could be worth the seven figures someday. Yeah. I mean, what about Platinum Ice? Are you familiar with this? Have you thought about this at all? Uh, is this something that you're interested in getting involved in? Well, is this the one that Top Shot's going to auction instead of dropping? Most likely. So a little background here. Uh, it looks like for a, a wide range of moments, it's not just the elite superstars. There's some guys that are just kind of like NBA guys. Um, and they're, they're above legendary. There's now going to be platinum ice. And it looks like there's going to be three minted. Occasionally, there might even be one. We haven't seen those yet. But right now, it's going to be three minted of each moment. Um, and they have not said with any level of officiality um, how they're going to distribute them. Auction has been discussed. There's also been discussed maybe forms of promo or something. Uh, it, will not be, it will not come in a pack. Um, there's going to be some new way of distributing it. If it is auction, is this something you'd be interested in? And if so, do you think you'd try to go with a group yourself and go for a higher end? Do you think you'd maybe see if there's a value of a lower player that you'd in? Like, how are you? How would you think about that? That's tough because I feel like once they stop releasing it in the same way as all of the other moments, to me that almost doesn't feel like the same product. I don't know. So. I mean, it sounds like something that could be very valuable, but I, I wouldn't find that fun to just like buy like a, in an auction, like some some moment or something. Like I don't know, I'm a little resistant to the idea. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, and aren't some isn't like Cam Reddish one of them? One of the platinum. There's, like, there's a wide range. So like that's, who's, who's going to auction for? I don't know that. that I, I don't like that. Like if it was like a LeBron, then it's like okay. I, I that, like. That, like but to me, the auction, I don't know. I think to me, the auction should be an opportunity not for everyone to necessarily participate in, but more for like the hype of the industry of like, okay, we're going to auction off this LeBron and watch like all the whales go at it to see who gets it. And like, that would be cool and create some buzz. And people are like, okay, you know, I'm in, I'm interested in who gets this LeBron. I'm not going to be interested in who gets a Cam Reddish in the auction, nor am I going to be interested in auctioning for it. So I kind of, I like the auction as like a hype builder for the industry, but like Alex said, I think it's, it's away from the core of the product, the core of the enjoyment of the marketplace, but I could, I could be wrong. That's just my, my gut reaction to it. Let me push on that. So we've been, we were in an auction league actually to gather for fantasy football, right, TJ? Yeah. When the first player goes out, what kind of happens? No one's really sure what's going to go on. 
and uh, like you kind of wait maybe a little while to get a feel for how people are valuing what it is. Now consider there's no salary cap for this auction. It's more like a Calcutta. No one really knows what that value is. I don't think you just throw out and you say, hey, we're going to start with a LeBron and see what it goes for. True. Let's start off with that random player. And now you can get a bit of a baseline and say, okay, he has a cosmic that's going for 15000 is the cheapest. The jersey's going for 50000 And the platinum went for the same as the jersey or it went for 2x the jersey. I think when you're talking such high potential money for these larger ones, it's not a bad idea to kind of create a larger set around them, allow people to feel their way in with these smaller prices. Um, and then you go into those big ones. Because agreed, without a doubt, it's from a marketing, it's from a pizzazz, a hype component. Um, and let's it could just be like the live, it could be like the live final of Top yeah. Four, right? Like, like, you know, most people aren't trying to be in the live final, but it still kind of brings some hype to the industry itself. And everyone watches as a spectator of like, okay, is, is Osimo going to win the live final? Or are right. Osimo, Justin Herzig, Papa Gates, and Chipotle going to come all in dead last? Maybe. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, it would be cool if they gave the players all their own special moment, like to do whatever they wanted with it. So I kind of like that idea with the platinum ice, where like if they just give Cam Reddish three of these platinum ices and they're like, you know, you can do whatever you want with them. Like to that sounds like it'd be like really interesting because it's like, um, I don't know, I find that intriguing. The action's a little bit, uh, it seems more like a cash grab or something, but I mean, like uh, this trading card industry, like they do all sorts of stuff to like create scarcity to varying degrees. Like, um, <clears throat> FanDuel did a card break, and I got this Kenny Galladay one of one card from Panini, and I'm like, one of one. This has got to be worth a fortune because one of a thousand on Top Shot can be worth like twenty k. But then someone told me it's like worth 200 bucks. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Just because like there's only a couple of stuff doesn't mean it's it's yeah. necessarily that. It's almost like if it's too scarce, there's not enough. No one cares. Like if there's only one, it's like yeah, well that's not worth it. But if there's like an somewhat attainable amount, then it's it's gonna be interesting. If if nothing else, it'll be a, a different wrinkle. It'll be something to talk about. It'll create some buzz. Right. And if you told me that these auctions, they were gonna do these auctions, and they were gonna go towards one of the NBA's part charity partners, that would be amazing. Because now you're creating the hype, you're creating a value around it for whoever wants to buy it. The money can maybe even be a tax write-off, so you're getting the increased kind of funds there. I think it honestly becomes a social clout play to you know be the one who won it, who's making those acts of donations as well, and then you get the aspect of owning it. Maybe I think that's interesting, but uh, I do. I believe that. I believe they'll end up going for more than what the market would value it at, if that makes sense, even though obviously if someone's buying it, then the market values it at that. But just because I think there's an additional level of whoever wins it gets that brand aspect, gets that cloud aspect. Maybe they use it for a casino, a company, something like that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because, I mean, like, I don't know if this is what uh, Bale's intended, but when he bought that 35K John Morant, like that really made moves and like that was a huge moment for for him and the industry and that's what got all of us interested so 
Uh, I mean, that kind of big move really does have a big effect. Yeah. Hey, TJ, you'll like this. Imagine you walk into Caesars in Vegas. You walk into the sports book, and right there, dead center. Your moment? It's a cube, and you've got the LeBron, one out of one, yes. platinum ice cube, love just going that. around I the pole. I want, Alex, I want a cube of my moments. I can sit just on my desk, so I can just watch my moments in a, in a physical cube. I think that would be really <laughs> Uh, I, I do think there is some element of like bringing this stuff physical to, to, to make it more tangible for people that are like, I don't get it. You know, give it, give us something that people can hang it on their wall and, and play videos on loop. Like, I feel like people would do that in their, their bachelor pads, their man caves in their office. Like I, I think somebody's going to, to execute on that idea eventually. I don't know the logistics of it, but I think, I think there's something there. Well, let me ask you guys a question here. If we own these moments, can we like play them on videos and stuff? Like, could that be the opening to your your video? Is this like some really sick NBA Top Shot moments? I think you own a copy of it. You don't own the rights to it. So if you were to put it like in a movie, I think you'd still probably need permission. Um, you obviously can't license it. Um, in general, I'm going to say no. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it seems good in theory. I like, I like the idea. <laughs> you know, um, I like the idea. Like maybe one of those picture, uh, digital picture frames where you like just have your moments and stuff. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. I mean, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Is there anything else, Justin, that you wanted to make sure we touch on? Also, I think we should we should open a pack because <laughs> nice. I think I saw yesterday that you have some some packs in there, Justin. I got a couple of those comments. I think that would be fun to do. Alex, do you have any packs? Or uh, I know you're fairly new, so you're not like the guys who are like, oh, yeah, I got this uh, legendary. I got the deck, the halls. I'm just, you know. Solding on them. <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't have that kind of self-control. I, I got a pack on <laughs> the last stress test, and I opened it immediately. I think I got the number 10,000, like Christian Wood. It was a great, great day. Hey. <laughs> That's not bad at all, especially now. well. Yeah, I've won on my end. Well, so I don't know if you, we want to do one each, Justin, or just yeah. do one. What do you think is better? I'll do one. Hold yours. Yeah. We'll go. Okay. Yeah. Practice. We got, another, we, got, we got another show in uh, two nights. We can do yours. Sounds good. All right, let's have Justin open up a pack, and then we will close out the show from there. As Justin alluded to, we are going to be doing a just Justin and I more of an in-depth strategy show on Wednesday. We feel like there's been a lot of movement in the marketplace and a lot of kind of updates to how we're approaching this. And we feel like it's been a while since the two of us have just sat down and done a, a pretty matter of fact strategy-based podcast. So that will be Wednesday night at 8.30. And then also on Sunday, we will have producer Coop after dark and he will be having data analyst Neil on the show with him, who is our, our challenge guru. And they're going to be breaking down all of the last minute things that you need to know for the cool cats challenge before that expires on Monday. So just a heads up on what is coming this week at OTM. All right, Justin, let's open this back. All right. Sound should be good. Let's see. <clears throat> see how much time it takes. So what are we working um, with here? Do, do we remember what the, what the EV is? <laughs> I mean, EV whatever master. it was at the time, it's a ton yeah. more now. Because <laughs> there's a potential for some rookies and stuff in here, right? So this like, is not this is not the number nine. That was the one with the mm -hmm. crazy rookies. This is series two, release sixteen. 
Uh, I believe EV top of head was something around 40 some dollars, but that might be north of 100 right now. Um, yeah. Just because of what we've seen over the past couple of days. We'll see whether it's going to go. Yeah, Alex, I had a, I got a, my cool cat pack, obviously, and I had tweeted out. It was a pretty sick pack. I got like Giannis. Oh, there we Rana. go. Either way, it's worth 1400 now. My cool cat's pack. Um, wow. Insane. All right. Alex, pick a door. One, one, two, or three. Ooh, shoot. I, I read the Bales blog about how to do this, but I can't remember the answer. I'll go with three. That only implies that I know what's behind them, so then I can ask when I switch it around if you want to do it. <laughs> we will go with door number three. Eight, eight, four, five. It's a block. Troy Brown Jr. Okay. That might be the... That might be the cheapest uh, grab you can basically pull. <laughs> Not a great one. All right, let's go. Well, uh, I mean, go for, for twenty nine bucks, dude. I mean, Troy Brown occasionally gets. Troy Brown is going for twenty minimum price twenty nine dollars right now. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Troy Brown occasionally gets rotational minutes, so he's at least twenty nine. <laughs> there you go. Here, Alex, for each play, I'm going to need you to give me the projection, their utilization, and you know who they kind of highest correlate with. Yeah, Troy Brown's playing tonight, so this one could be interesting. Uh, you want to late swap to him? <laughs> I don't know. Am I playing FanDuel or DraftKings? Let's go. <laughs> TJ, door number one or two? Uh, let's go with door number one. Leave the middle one for last. Door number one. It's a high number. It's a dunk. All right. We got some Booker. Two hundred twenty-two bucks. This is crazy. That's yeah. it. Only two hundred twenty-two. Crazy. I forgot that everything is just worth a million dollars right now. <laughs> All right. Why did my dollars was? All right, and door number two. Let's go. Let's get that low mint. Fifty-six twenty-three. Another duck. It's a double booker. Double booker. Nice. Double booker. Two for one spot. Just an easy $500 out of the account valuation. Oh, and that and that is top shots. That is why, I mean, you can't really go wrong. You open an old $9 pack. It's funny that... It's funny that holding on to these packs has turned out to basically be, like, profitable because now you get to open it and it's just... I guess obviously you always would have had them, but then you. It you just, might have sold them. Yeah, right. You might have done something different with them, but uh, right. Cool. Well, yeah. Any any final words, Alex? It was really really nice having you on the show here. I thought you had a lot of a lot of good insights for the people. It was fun chatting with you. Anything you'd like to say to the folks before we close off the show? Yeah, guys, it was great, great chatting with you. I'm all a little jealous of this pack you just uh, opened. Like, man. Don't spend it all in one place. I'll, I'll be refreshing <laughs> the marketplace to see if any of these bookers come on here. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think uh, you guys have a, uh, a really good thing going on here, and excited to, to see everywhere this industry is going because it seems like uh, the future is pretty bright here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're we're super excited. We we feel like it's yeah things have taken off the last couple of days, but still very early here. Still a lot of mainstream attention to come. Still a lot more people that are on the sidelines that that are hopefully going to be getting involved here over the next couple of days, couple of weeks. So we're we're curious to to enjoy this ride. But yeah, it was really 
Really nice chatting with you. Appreciate you taking the time, coming on the show. Thanks to everyone for listening, whether you were with us in the chat or listening on the podcast feed. Well, like I said, we'll be back on Wednesday with Justin and I. We have producer Coop after dark coming up on Sunday. Justin has final words. I need to say one thing. If anybody out there has any Alex Caruso moments that you just don't know what to do with, Alex, what is your screen name? Where should they send the <laughs> moments of your face? Dude, uh, I, those things are worth a ton of money. Don't send them to me, but my, my handle is awesome. <laughs> Uh, you know what? That, was, that was on my list to ask you how you do not own a single Alex Caruso moment. And I, I it slipped my mind. But yeah, I, no, I no, no Alex Caruso. Oh, yeah. I, I, you, you can't afford to hold on to something that you don't want now. <laughs> I was like, these are definitely going to go down in price eventually. So I sold them. And I'm like, I'll, I'll just buy them later once uh, they go down. <laughs> Alex Caruso pump. You've heard it here. I, if I haven't, I'm going to go through my account. I may have to sh ship you one over, Alex. You can't we'll get a Caruso for less than $500, so. What? But, yeah. yeah what? That's, what, that's why he said don't send them to him. Yeah. Uh, there's no Series 2 Caruso? Oh, maybe the next step. Yeah. Or the next um, release. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks, everyone, again for the show. I will go ahead and do the closeout now. So. For Justin Herzig, as always, for producer Coop behind the scenes, and for our very special guest, Mr. Alex Baker, a.k.a. Awesomeo, I am TJ Lasig. This was the Own the Moment podcast, and we will catch you guys next time.